Hi, I'm Jason, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by the guy who doesn't like gravy. Rob, do you really not like gravy? We need to get that out of the No, way. no, it's a lie. It's a lie because I absolutely love gravy. Who loves gravy? Doesn't. Welcome absolutely. to Rewind and Review, the retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? This episode of Rewind and Review will look at a film that celebrates its 20th anniversary this year in 2020. It's a film about chickens trying their best to fly the coop or submit to the doomed fate of chicken and gravy pies. So climb into your cannon, grab your knitting needles and get your running shoes on as we travel back to the year 2000. Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Go back to then. When? Now. There's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive. Uh, the year 2000, Tom Hanks was cast away, Ashton Kutcher, uh, he had lost his car, and Jim Carrey had a split personality, and Mel Gibson was both a patriot and also a rooster who pretended to fly. And of course, it's the latter of which we're going to be talking about today, the year 2000's Chicken Run. Written, produced, and directed by Peter Lord and Nick Park, with a screenplay written by uh, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Chicken Run is a stop-motion animated comedy film about chickens running away spoiler warning of course we will be talking spoilers uh these chickens live on a farm run by the tweedies played by miranda richardson and tony hager or should i say voiced by um who are rebranding from a chicken egg business to a chicken pie business lead chicken ginger who's played by julia sawalha i think that's the pronunciation um sees Circus Rooster Rocky, who's played by Mel Gibson, or voiced by Mel Gibson, crashed land into the farm after being shot from a cannon and enlists him to help teach the others how to fly after mistakenly believing that's how he arrived. From there, Ginger and the rest of the flock train to take flight and escape the chicken yard before the Tweeties turn them all into chicken pie. Rocky's secret eventually comes to light and the flock are forced to get creative and finally fly the coop and escape to greener pastures. Robert, my friend, are you a yes. are you a fan of chicken? I am a fan of chicken. You enjoy eating I'm the chicken. I'm also a fan of running. I do. I do enjoy <laughs> running. eating chicken. Uh, running yeah. not so much. Running not so much. Although I have to admit, I've never had chicken pie before, so I wasn't quite sure that the Tweeties were onto something with them. You marking, really don't have chicken. But... Pie. It's different. It's different now. Us both being, you know, as Aussie as it gets, um, <laughs> a good beef meat pie is always pretty are we sure that it is actually beef though like so this is the thing i may have eaten chicken pie without actually realizing i've eaten chicken because sure look it's, if they're well substituting be... the meat it's not chicken they're substituting you with they're, they're putting like bits of boot, uh bits of like <laughs> just, <laughs> that's really just not feet the... related things in general bones and stuff chicken feet um, but no, chicken good, pies but are, the topic today pies are all right chicken pies are, i didn't think this is where we'd start but yes yeah, chicken pies are pretty good check them out <laughs> But this what, movie, what about the, the movie, Jason? Um, I I recall watching this when it first came out. I, it wasn't a cinema okay. visit for me. I think it was. It must have been on a home release because I remember watching it at home for the first time. Um, but ever since then, um, not only was it a very lovely, splendid movie that I just attached myself to straight away, um, yeah. and I've pretty much loved ever since. Um, but also the the animation, you know, like the claymation. It's, it was sort of my introduction to it. I hadn't really been exposed to like Wallace and Gromit and those sorts of things yet. Um, so this was probably my first exposure to like claymation. Um, you know, I'd seen yeah. CGI animation in, in, in works, in the works, um, you know, things like Toy Story and all that, little Pixar things. Obviously 2D animation was, you know, everywhere. But yeah, claymation and it was it was like, oh, wow, this is something new. Obviously, it wasn't new, but to me, it was. You know, I hadn't seen, again, I'm just name-dropping other things now, like Nightmare Before Christmas yeah. and stuff like that, you know, Tim Burton's work. Yeah. But, yeah, the this Aardman little, like, grueling production. And, and yeah, like, uh, mm. like um, we had a family friend who sort of explained, like, he, he was actually 
telling me about how it um had all come together and he was like you know they they take photos and he sort of told me about what they were doing before i'd even watched the movie and it was like yeah they, they pretty much take photos and add them all together and make a, a seamless animation and i was like wow that's like that's incredible and he's like you know sometimes i'd only you know take three photos a, a day and i was like okay i believed him but obviously wasn't the case but <laughs> i think he probably yeah. meant three seconds of footage a day or something yeah, um, yeah. but yeah just the yeah. it was just my introduction to just stop motion stop animation motion. I uh, surprise, surprise! I'd never seen this movie before. Before watching, uh, watching I, it for the first time, I'm going to replace you as a. We just got, we just got to choose the right movies, Jace. That's all. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the, um, the Wallace and Gromit. Um, you know, shorts. I grew up on that, and the the art form itself, like the stop motion. I, uh, I love it. I know that you know pre-production on Jurassic Park and a few of those things pre-CGI really relied on that medium. Um, and I remember just a little bit older than you, so we we did actually a little bit of stop motion um, in school. That's what we did instead of, say, I don't know, filmography, I guess, or like in primary <laughs> school, but anyway. Um, so we, we played around with it and we did it also with Lego as well as plasticine. But I love the medium. The medium's great. And now if you watch things like, you know, like Kubo and, and the two strings and all of that stuff, the art form has just kind of progressed, even though it's technically an outdated art form. It's good to see these movies because they can really put it to the test and really, really make something amazing out of it without having to make something CG. Yeah. I was thinking um, during this watch, um, you know, it's sort of like, you know, you say it's an outdated sort of um, way of animating, but it's like watching it, it's like, I couldn't really pick what year this would have come out. Like if this came out this year, I wouldn't know any yeah. different. That's the thing, you know, you've got CGI obviously develops over time. Animation quality does improve, you know, no matter what you get into high definition, all that kind of stuff. And then the details yeah. are so intricate. You know, you watch, mm-hmm. compare Toy Story 4 to Toy Story 1 and you're just like, whoa, it's pretty much like real now. Like it's crazy. But with this, yeah. it's like the, like the claymation models, it was sort of as good as it was going to get. And that's not a detriment. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, it just looks as fresh it looked well, no, like it has that immediate timeless quality because it's like it was just real physical things there that they're taking yeah. image image uh, image yeah. snapshots of which is fantastic yeah, they do they do they do something like and we'll talk about it a little bit later with production stuff but you know around about it's 24 photos per second so it's just like 24 frames a second basically um so you end up with the same motion blur and everything like that if that if it's done right so you can't really yeah you're right it is timeless like I said, I don't even watch this movie once. Um, I really enjoy the medium. I have you seen the movie The Great Escape? I haven't. I'm the familiar with it and what type of movie it is. Okay. And obviously, I know that so, the inspiration was drawn. Yeah, <laughs> from that. So, so definitely, um, I didn't know that Chicken Run was a Great Escape movie, but I had seen The Great Escape. So when I was watching it for the first time, I was kind of putting the two together and going, "Ah, oh, that's great." There's lots of little insights. That's what they're doing, yeah, yeah. So, and it's a great movie as well. So. The budget versus the box office, it had a budget of $45 million, which is actually more than I thought it would, but um, but it made, it had a taking of $225 million, which is great. It's a pretty good return. Although that's, like I said, production budget, so I'm not sure what the marketing campaign would be. And I remember this being everywhere when it first came out. Mm. So... Well, I think with, with that box office return, that did actually, it set it as the highest grossing stop-motion animation film ever at that time. I don't know if it's been beat since, but... Oh, probably, surely it has. Maybe. Like Kubo, for example. But is, is that fully stop-motion, though, or is that... Oh, for the most part. Have you seen the behind-the-scenes stuff? No, no, no. It's, no, pretty, no. it's probably, pretty incredible stuff. I've heard very good things about that. I should check that out. <laughs> go, go check it out. Um, so, but from a box office point of view, yeah, um, it, it did well. It debuted at number two at the box office, only behind me, myself, and Irene, which is, that's fair. That's a bloody good movie. So, well... I didn't know that movie made that much money. Like, that's... Me, myself, and Irene. Is that just from that weekend, or is that for the year? Like, is that... I think I think it's just the debut. It's right, the, okay. So, just the, that weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. the opening weekend, yeah. R-rated comedy. That's what you're going to get. Fair call. Yeah. <laughs> Fair call. Not sure. We should probably do that. I'm not sure if that movie holds up, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we can watch uh, that for another time. <laughs> might be very. It's a, it's a very different movie from Chicken Run. I'll tell you that. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, this All movie right. though, 
this movie though, hailed by critics for its charm, um, voice acting and slapstick humor. Um, if we look at Rotten Tomatoes, we got 97% based on 171 reviews. That's an average of 8.1 out of 10. And Metacritic has it at 88 out of 100 based on 34 reviews, pretty much giving it universal acclaim. Mr. Roger Ebert, we, we always like to have, have his. Let's say he gave it the seal of approval, 3.4, uh, 3.5 out of 4 stars. He, he, his quote with it was, so it truly is a matter of life and death for the chickens to escape from the Tweety Chicken Farm in Chicken Run, a magical new animated film that looks and sounds like no other. Like the otherwise completely different Babe, this is a movie that uses animals as surrogates for our hopes and fears, and as the chickens run through one failed escape attempt after another, the charm of the movie wins us over. And I think that's a pretty good summary of it. So we'll leave it there um, and, and we'll just head off. We've got yeah, Roger so Roger, Roger, Roger's, Roger's done it again. He's done it again. Uh, yeah, without showing our hands too much. It's sort of like, mm, like I agree. <laughs> I agree. I'm glad that... I mean, it's a... I'm glad that's that a lot of people... a pretty high rating by Roger as well, like three and a half out of four. That's pretty pretty impressive for him. Just overall, so. you know, most people seem to like this. It did receive a few awards, or nominated at least, for 26 awards, including two BAFTA uh, based on visual effects and Best British Film, um, and a Golden Globe Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy. It did win 13 of these 26 awards. It is very, very popular property, but surprisingly, it actually hasn't spawned a huge franchise, which many other properties would have. But it is from the creators um, of Wallace and Gromit, and it does have the same kind of tone and charm. It also feels, if you're talking regional UK, it feels like it's from the same, like the same um, characters as as in Wallace and Gromit as well. Oh yeah, like no, the, the farm everything as well. The farm's literally set down the road from where Wallace and Gromit live. It has to be. It's <laughs> an opposing farm from where Sean the Sheep lives and stuff. It's madness. So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're all in the same little district. Uh, but that's what's wonderful. You know how I said, you know, as a chicken run, obviously my first introduction to like Ardman and you know Nick Park's work and all that kind of jazz. It was my entryway into checking out, you know, the Wallace and Gromit shorts and then eventually the Wallace and Gromit movies. Um, I've even, you know, delved a little bit into Sean Sean the Sheep. Not as big a fan (laughs) as the rest of it. Um, But then, but then the rest of it, you know, you've got flushed away. You've got heaps of stuff that sort of is within that Ardman sort of realm, mm-hmm. even though Flushed Away is um, CGI. It's still modelled after the same sort mm-hmm. of designs and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Consider that um, the Ardman franchise. Yeah. And speak, speaking, going back to franchise itself, so there is a sequel. Um, a sequel entered into development in 2018 um, with the original animation studios and distributors on board. Now, you just mentioned Flushed Away. When that was released in 2006, DreamWorks Animation ended their partnership with Ardman. It's, it's changed around a little bit, like the property's bounced around a little bit, but in we only just found this out a couple of days ago as we record this. Um, on the 23rd of June uh, in 2020, Netflix announced that they had negotiated the rights from the original studios, um, Studio Canal and Pathay. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a French studio. But you've got the original writers back on board um, and the Ardman co-founders, so Peter Lord and David Sproxton, will be executive producing it. And the sequel will follow the ending of the first film once the ch- chickens have settled in there into their little island and then a new, th- new threat, obviously, is emerging. Apparently, Rocky's going to be recast, though. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> yes, they don't like Mel Gibson anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Mel Gibson's still active. He's still doing things. Uh, mm. Maybe he's not interested. We don't know. Maybe there is some sort of agenda where it's like, they, you know, they feel like he's not the right yeah, look, fit for the, subjective. the project. But um, yeah, if we did find this out. This is all very recent news. The 20th anniversary of Chicken Run um, was that date, the 23rd of June, which is when uh, Netflix made that announcement. So I was mm-hmm. worried at first. You know, Netflix does have a tendency to, um, I guess, put out not the best of films, let's be honest. Um, you know, sometimes they have some <laughs> gems, but yeah, you know, their track record, it's not, it's not the best. So, but the fact that Netflix is purely just distributing this and it's still the yeah. same production team, you've still got Hardman. You've still got yeah. the same yeah. you know, people. You know, Nick Park's still attached to produce and all that, that kind of jazz. I think the director I of uh, Flushed Away, mm. I forget his name at the moment. Um, apparently, he's set to direct oh, this. Cell, well, okay. isn't it? Somebody Cell. I can't remember. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he said to the director, oh, you're right. So the same director reflects away. And that actually makes me think that they might move away from this, the similar, like a CGI, it's a CGI base, but the stop motion style. Oh, um, no. I, what I, away was. I, like I hope that they go back to the, like the, Oh, the definitely. I hands, hope, hands on stuff. Yeah. I would hope they do the stop motion. Otherwise, it just becomes, you know, if they start recasting more of, of the voices and then they change the animation to CGI, yeah. it's going to, it's just going to feel like a really cheap sort of just tacked on sequel, which no one wants. Yeah. No one wants that. So well, it's already going to feel like said, that we... without it going to cinemas. So no, I don't know. We'll see yeah, what happens. That's right. Um, there was a video game released November 2000 by developer Blitz Games. It came out on the Game Boy Color, Dreamcast, PlayStation, and I guess on Microsoft uh, platforms. It was based loosely on, obviously, this movie and uh, the Great Escape movie, um, mm-hmm. labeled as a stealth and horror. It received mixed to average reviews, but yes. as we were watching the movie, the wife always always by my side, of course. Well, she, she leaned over to me and she said, have you played the PlayStation game? I was like, nope. And she said, there's a scene where, you know, you're running around the pens and the dogs are sort of stalking it. She's mm. like, she said it was, it terrified her. As oh, a right. Well, they, there's that horror. So when, when, when I was doing the research, I haven't played the games full, um, but I know that, yeah, it, it was released on PlayStation, PlayStation one. Um, and the, obviously it's year 2000, but uh, it says, yeah, listed it as stealth and horror. And I'm like, how? How is that possible? <laughs> but there, there you go. So for, for kids, that must have been terrifying. So it's just running around. I suppose. I mean, think about it, like the game would be just trying to escape a prison, which you know, in a way, is set up like a POW camp. Yeah. Like, oh, it very much is. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's it's a concentration camp, hundred percent. Like, or or POW. So that, so that's the legacy. Shall we? You want to pick apart some of these characters? Yes. Let's start with young Ginger. Ginger, what do you reckon about Ginger? So she's the brains of the outfit. She is. So it, it's funny. All these characters are all very different. Um, you know, they've yes. all kind of got. I mean, there's there's this there's heightened stereotypes and exaggerations on each of their personalities, mm-hmm. and they all kind of have they fit into a different mold. And and Ginger, yeah. yeah, she's our leader. She's the brains of the operation. She's the one coming up with the plan. Yeah, uh, coming up with the schemes. Um, Slightly more intelligent than the rest, perhaps, maybe. She she's great, and I it's it's one of the she was one of those characters where it's like she's just like a surrogate leader, and she she's got she's got the um the drive to get out. Everyone else seems to be content to just lay eggs and mm. so be it. And then if so, whatever happens happens. But she's like, nah, need to get out. We need to be free. We need to be out of here. Well, I think their um, their approach to all these to all these characters were like chickens are pretty are pretty stupid animals. You know, they're, they're pretty dim-witted. <laughs> and I think, like, a character like Ginger is the exception to the rule. Well, you see a lot of the other characters, like, all the other chickens, you know, they're all just, like, real... They're all real dim. You know, they're just yeah. going about their business. They'll, they'll eat when there's food. Yeah. They'll lay eggs when they need to. They'll, you know, <laughs> they'll just sort of literally just peck around. Like, that's, that's all they're doing. But Ginger's kind of instigating the organization and the they're not organized she's the yeah. one rounding them up she explains situations to them obviously very honestly mm-hmm. and and brutally yeah she's not she's not one to lie and i think yeah it's a cool mm-hmm. character and julia um yeah you're right it's a struggle to pronounce her name because i didn't go to the after looking up but julia Sawala. let's just go Sawala, for i reckon Sawala, yeah yep giving a very like a very gentle sort of tone to the voice as well like sweet mm. as well as like sort of demanding and yeah. i want to say controlling but like in a just in a th- authority type way like someone you can trust like a real leader but also mm-hmm. at the same time still you know sensitive and like unabashful which is good so yeah. that's a good character and okay, we should talk about we should talk about the designs of the chickens as well like before we get oh, yeah. to all of them obviously they've got like that sort of ardman type you know wallace and grummet type design you know yeah. with their mouths and and all that yeah it's just in their hands and the yeah and it's strange. obviously like you look at them and it's like okay they don't actually look like chickens like not even no. i mean they're really not even close looking like chickens but somehow it works yeah. like when they when the human characters see them and they're like you know they're pretending to just well, not pretending like they're just pecking or whatever you know like trying to just mm. do what chicken it's like okay i can see chickens here. but when they're just yeah. standing 
like completely upfront. You know, they're, they're, they've been yeah. elongated. It's like they're so humanized. It's almost <laughs> their wings are hands. They're, the, they're all of their, like, their waistlines are their waistlines. You know, it's not like a chicken, yeah. a chicken body. Fantastic yeah. design. And it, it fits, again, it fits in the mm. Aardman sort of universe. Definitely within the universe, as in, like you said, literally, Sean, Sean could be just across the road in a different paddock. You know? <laughs> they all have so, the same. Um, these chickens have teeth. It's weird. These these chickens do have teeth. Um, in fact, actually, because because of the weird looking beak, the the production team were a little bit worried about a kiss between Ginger and Rocky, and and that's why they keep on uh, interrupting the the kiss, and then when they finally do kiss. It's behind, like the way their heads are facing. You can't actually see the the beaks and the teeth and everything. Yeah. Otherwise, it was just going to be too weird. They were a bit worried. It's going to be too weird for children and everyone to watch I, two chickens kiss. When Ginger and Rocky first go to kiss, you know, like after she slaps him, and that you know they're they're on the crate, and I I, I forgot mm. that it was interrupted, and I was like, how are they gonna? How do they do this? Like this is going to be weird. <laughs> like, but like I I suppose like their beaks are so they're pretty floppy, you know, they're not like a hard <laughs> yeah. shell beak like a normal bird would have. So it I guess it's true. like, they're almost like lips and then it kind of like melts into you know, the, 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 the peak part of the beak is a, is a nose yeah. essentially. So it still works. <laughs> like obviously it their works. mouth is still the bottom part of, yeah, yeah. analyzing the chicken, the, the chicken run kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, speaking, oh, and also just an interesting little uh, bit of trivia. Um, so Ginger and Rocky uh, were, the name, were named after Nick Park, one of the creators of the movie, um, a childhood pet chickens, which is interesting. Right. And speaking of Rocky, who's played by Mel Gibson, so he comes across as the cocky... <laughs> um, <laughs> what <are> they, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I do have in brackets pun intended there. So um, this movie is full of like puns and puns. plays it's and everywhere. Like, chicken. everywhere. I love it. I love that type of humor. And it's not in your face. It's not like they're. I mean, they do it a couple times where sometimes like Rocky's like intentionally like, like he's like don't. And he's like get it, get it. That's the only time. <laughs> the rest of it is real subtle. It's just within the dialogue and it flows. I think the majority um, the majority of the puns are from Rocky though as well. You know, like all oh, these chicks. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I think, he's got, I think the rats, the rats are responsible for a few egg-based ones, but we'll, we'll oh, talk about that later. But Rocky's got that. He says that pun. He pulls a feather out of his tail, and he's like, "Cocktail, cocktail." And he's drinking and drinking. Yeah, he puts it in his drink. Yeah, oh, funny. I felt like I was but, um, hearing that joke for the first time with in this recent rewatch, though. Like, I, had, I don't know. Well, maybe I'm just smarter. I, I understand puns better now. <laughs> I certainly was hearing it. Um, one joke I didn't get until I wrote it down, um, that was that he, he's a self-stylized lone free ranger. I didn't even pick up the connection between free range chicken. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I just didn't get it until, until I wrote it down. I was like, ah, that's great. So um, many puns. I reckon there was a team within the, the creative team. Like there was a subdivision of just like, hey, just come up with as many chicken puns as you can. And they probably had a list of like a hundred. And then they're like, yeah. they got the script and they probably were like, again, all speculation. But I guarantee yeah. this is what happened. Where can we put all of this stuff? Mel, Rocky's character is, it is what it is. He, he's portrayed, especially by um, that old military chicken fowler as just like some random Yankee just coming in and just own, owning the shop as was the case with, with many of the wars and things. But um, it's interesting because Mel Gibson's got, he's, he's always debated whether or not he's Australian or American. He's American, but he lived in Australia when he was young. Sure. Right. Um, but there's a line that one of the chickens says, I'm not even sure if he's really American. And that's actually an inside joke of Mel Gibson, like how it always flip-flops whether or not he's Australian or American. <laughs> so it's an interesting one. The the majority of the cast, bar Mel Gibson, mm. English, British, or somewhere in, in you know within like the yeah within the realms of of the United yeah. Kingdom and surrounds. Keep, keep keeping it local. But um, Mel Gibson's kid has actually wanted him to take the role. Um, because they liked Wallace and Gromit and they grew up with Wallace and Gromit. So that kind of convinced him to be part of it. And apparently Rocky wasn't actually going to be American, um, but it was only decided like late in pre-production before they finished the casting. To And that way it would give Ginger and Rocky a little bit of that cultural dynamic. 
and just say like the culture clash between British and Americans. Yeah, I think that works really yeah, so. well. Again, you know, going back to like that Great Escape type sort of um, influence, yeah. you know, like you think of the setting, it's a POW camp, a lot of like British mm. soldiers or something like that. The idea of suddenly um, an, an American, American soldier sort of falling in as well, it sort of it'd be a stick in the mud, you know, like he'd stand out. Yeah. And it'd be sort of like a whoa, like that's something it, different. Like, why are you here? <laughs> it would, it would stick out, but it would also be, it'd be yeah, completely plausible as well. Is that suddenly an, an American appears, like because of the, the situation? I know that that's what was influencing this movie. So, uh, some actors that possibly could have played Corey Haim, David Swimmer, John Leguizamo, Ethan Hawke, Eddie Murphy, and Nathan Lane. These were all people who were considered for the role, but um, were eventually deemed not appropriate. <laughs> I always look at you look at these sort of names and obviously you've you've seen them or you've heard them do mm-hmm. other sort of animated roles. You know, you got Eddie Murphy's Donkey, David Schwimmer's yeah. uh what's the giraffe in Madagascar? Yeah. Uh, Nathan, Nathan Lane Teat. Do you know from yeah, yeah Lion King? It's just sort of like just imagine Rocky sounding like one of them. <laughs> yeah. And you can't and you, and you can't. Like it's I, I think I think even though I just watched the movie just the once, um, um I I find Mel Gibson was the perfect the perfect vo- style vocals for the kind of attitude that that character is bringing. So yeah. just imagine just, though, just like, does it. nobody likes chicken pie. We've got to have some parfaits. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I don't want to ever imagine it again. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> it is, it's weird. <laughs> All right. Uh, our main villains. So we've got Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy. So Mrs. Tweedy is played by Miranda Richardson. I mean, it's pretty simple. She's just evil, really. Chasing profits. Yeah. So the egg farm's not making the money anymore. And they do they do a roll call every morning, like when mm. they count the eggs or whatever it Again, is. Again, just like just like a you know, like a, a line in the in the POW cow. It's yeah. just like checking the it's funny, if you were to just watch like the first ten minutes of this movie and then stop it, you would think Mr. Tweedy is is the big bad, the mastermind. It's his yeah. farm, he's he's the you know, the human villain that is in control yeah. and and then you know five seconds later you're like nope he's just <laughs> even he's just, though he's a stooge so, yeah. he's the stooge of of mrs tweedy's evil plans it's he it is actually his farm though you know he says that you know it's generations of of his uh yeah. his father his grandfather's yeah. like they're all egg farmers yeah. and stuff like that and then she's but obviously mrs. married tweedy in, does not care she's yeah. like now nah, we're gonna move on from eggs because all poor all poor so let's yeah. make some chicken pies Mind you, they must have a bit of capital because they managed to go buy the bloody machine and stuff, don't they? Mm. And, and when he, when Mr. Tweedy's tools go missing, <laughs> he manages to find others to say they obviously got enough got enough dough to run down to the, the hardware shop. But um, so the, Mr. Tweedy is just evil and, and just wants wants to make money. It's interesting. I didn't expect it, but they call each other by Mr. and Mrs. But they don't actually call each other by each other's names. Yeah, um, and that I, that takes the human element away, like dehumanizes them a little bit more, like makes them even more. That like, to, to me, when I was watching, yeah, like going, they're, not oh, yeah, they're really, they don't even like each other. It's you almost know, like, like it also like a business arrangement. It also kind of like redirects the movie to really be from the point of view from of the chickens, where it's like they yeah. don't know them as as individuals with own identities. It is just Mr. Yeah. Tweedy and Mrs. Tweedy, like yeah. you know. The human and and, and that's, an that's evil a, entity. I mean, that's a really good point. That really it really enforces that. So I think it's very very good creative move. Um, Mr. Tweedy. So he seems dumb, um, and he's played by Tony um, Haygarth. But he uh, seems really like dim witted. But he also is the one that figures out that chickens are doing something, and he figures <laughs> yeah. out that it's Ginger's the one that's leading the pack. The personality is definitely. They, they may as well be just. Look, you may as well look at them as the same, not the same, as in t- together because they complement each other as well. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. As a standalone character there. Yeah, it's a good yeah. point. Yeah, like he is portrayed as the dimmed one, but he is the one who knows why. Well, like he's, he's the one who strongly suspects that something's going on. If only Mrs. Tweedy was... Yeah, if, if, if she was to believe him, they could probably mm. solve everything and then get it all done. But, I mean, yeah. who would... If, if you had a chicken farm and suddenly, like, someone said to you, you know, like, you know the chickens are plotting, they're they're, they're <laughs> scheming, they're revolting. What would you say? Would you say yes? <laughs> I believe. <laughs> or I'm gonna I'm gonna would you go, up with shut a, up. We're running out of money. We need to do something about this. Yeah, I um, feel like their plan though is a bit flawed. Their business plan, 
Obviously, mm. they've got a chicken farm, right? So they sell eggs, something that is constantly produced. So they sell them, they, they get the profits from them. Mm. Chicken pies, they, have, they would have to restructure their whole farm to start breeding chickens. Yeah. It doesn't sound like an efficient use I feel of like time, they would, but... they would uh, cook up all their chickens and then they'd be done. They would either have to get new chickens or... Well, Rocky's going to be a bit busy, isn't he? <laughs> um, and that, that also just point, wanted to point out at the very end when they're all nice and safe on their island, there are baby chickens there. So how is my question. But anyway, we don't need to cross that bridge. I, I like to assume that they, they met up with some other chickens and other chickens migrated to that island as well. Or, you know, well, or we chickens find, already we, live there. We might find out. I well, mean, it was a bird sanctuary and then they, they rename it the chicken sanctuary. So it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, either that or um, Rocky and Fowler were very, very busy, busy young men. Yeah, they'd, they'd have to be. They'd have to be. Yeah. They're, they're really... speaking, of, speaking of Fowler, like you said at the top, all of their chickens, they've got their own little personalities, their own little quirks and stuff. And that's what makes the overall ensemble really pleasurable to watch. But So Fowler is the only male chicken, rooster, if you will, that lives, <laughs> uh, that lives in the farm. But he's, a, he's an ex, what is it, ex-RAF mascot. And everything he does, everything he does is militarized. So he's like a drill sergeant running around. But he just keeps on, um, he basically, yeah, just is just full of anecdotes of, about the war times. Uh, and obviously everybody just rolls their eyes and stuff. It's just like, oh, it's just Fowler. Like he's an old kook. Like... He's, an, he's an old kook. Just get, get back in your box, buddy. What, what? Um, <laughs> what, what? I actually really like him. I thought he's a funny character. Oh, he's great. He's um, great. Great performance by um, Benjamin uh, Whitthrow. Benjamin well. Whitthrow. He's got a really cool quote and he says, and it's when he first meets Rocky and he says a few slurs against Americans. <laughs> but one of the things he says was, Americans are always late for, to the war. Um, and that's actually all things military based with that character. That's what the British used to say to Americans with yeah. World War One and Two because they arrived three years late to the war after Britain had been fighting it for three years. Enough, they always um, stay out of it, yeah. And then they come in and kind of clean up and, and, and finish it all. So he's a, he's a great character. And the, yeah, well, he's the, he's the catalyst for them eventually actually getting out. Um, you know, it's well, not guess, yeah. like he's the, well, the inspiration. He misleads them a little bit. <laughs> he misleads well, Ginger a little bit. Hey, he, but he keeps he, on talking. He comes through. He comes through. <laughs> he, he always talks about these, yeah, these RAF days, um, flying yeah. these, uh, these planes and stuff like that. And then, yeah. And he's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> when, got, when times got, to, it comes to like, you know, you got to fly this thing. It's like, I'm a chicken. Chickens don't fly. <laughs> <laughs> he's, it's funny because he, um, yeah, he, he, he's got one line where, he, yeah, chickens don't fly, and it's just you just like it, it all of a sudden brings it back to reality where it's like, yeah, no, it's they're not going to take a chicken on a plane. Like, anyway, um, like he was on the like, I'm sure he, they were. He was on a plane, and they probably carried yeah. them around and stuff, but. You know, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't piloting the planes. I wonder if so. Is it uh, interestingly the RAF squadron that he keeps on quoting, which I don't have it written in front of me, but that actually was a real thing. Um, it was a, re- a real squadron, but I yet to I couldn't see on my really really basic research whether or not they actually had a chicken as a mascot. But that would be amazing if they did. That'd be pretty funny. Um, what other chickens we got there? We got Babs. I mean, she's actually my favorite character. Babs. Babs is also my favorite. Yeah, she's great. So every line she has is is amazing. Is just hilarious. And again, delivery by Jane um, Horrocks, like just just cute, like with the accent. You know, like you throw it all that into the mix, and it's just the dumbest chicken, (laughs) the dumbest chicken, the fattest chicken, always knitting. Like, yeah, yeah, just she has the best lines, like by far. Oh, absolutely. It's, and no, it's not just the lines as well. She's just a funny, like, her mannerisms are just weird as well. The way that they've animated her. Not just weird, <laughs> but just quirky. Like, always she's always, smiling. Like said, always knitting. Always smiling, always knitting. And the things that she's knitting are sometimes funny. Like, at one point, she knits a noose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, uh, when Mac is playing the harmonica, like, it's a little solemn moment, and then she's knitting a noose. But during the... the um, when they're in the crate, when they're in the, the plane and they're taking off, all of the chickens are running. I think it's, yeah, they're on a cycle to make the wings flat, but Babs can't reach. So she's just knitting while moving her feet, like her feet aren't long enough it's to reach. It's not even doing pedals. anything. Yeah, it's not even doing anything. So no, so, yeah, she's just doing what she can do. But uh, you know, yeah. the best lines are, back from holiday. 
<laughs> yeah, don't make, you know, I don't like gravy. Uh, yeah, that's right. Say? Like, just that's so the one. much. I don't like gravy. <laughs> my life flashed before my eyes. It was really boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's great. So uh, just you could just watch this movie just, just for her lines. So the, the writers were very clever. I think at some point she's in danger of being killed first because she doesn't lay any eggs, but she forgets she doesn't forgets to tell people that she hasn't laid any eggs. Yeah, well. but it turns out, you know, the yeah. with the Tweeties changing their their plans, they don't care. It's all about mm. it's all about chicken pies now. So they just wanted yeah. to wanted to measure her make sure <laughs> she was the <laughs> she was the the, the bar that's right there you go the bar of fatness um, who else we got i've got bunty so it's played by imelda imelda staunton so she's just super cynical and is always doubtful of ginger's ideas yeah and i, I think guess you, she, i think you her, need that you need someone to question it don't you? that's it her character is like the the strong-headed yeah the strong-headed mm. chicken sort of like that i guess if not for if not for Ginger being the leader, she'd probably be next in line. The one that I guess yeah. always talks sense. I mean, she well, everything she's saying and claiming is is pretty truthful. She's never usually wrong. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> think about it, like Ginger's coming up with all these plans and every, none of them have worked. So you know, she's sort of over it, I guess. And then when it comes time to either weighing up between like, oh, look, do we continue to put our chickens in like the other the other hens in danger? Or do we just live this existence, which is you know accept it? She's got a mm. she's got a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can't argue with it. You but do you do need that character, and she's the first one to you know really embrace uh, like the dancing, right? The chicken dancing mm. and stuff like that, which yeah. I think was a good choice to have her character being as as headstrong as as she is. This movie is, is worth is worth it just to to watch chickens dance. The diversity of the different type of characters. It's just um. It just it just adds a little bit more um, color color to the overall. You know, you need these kind of characters just to to keep it all going along oh, mate. at the full pace uh, that is going. And it's it's a pretty yeah. quick pace, really. Let's talk Mac. Let's talk Mac. She's Scottish. She's a genius. She's great. She's voiced by it. Lynn Ferguson. <laughs> great. Good on you, Lynn. Love yeah, it. I think it's like I the- I I I for the log for like you know the first several times I've watched this movie. I always thought Mac was a guy. I don't know. I just thought there was another just oh, token. Another rooster. Yeah, just because, I mean, the her voice is, is, is quite, not like held deep, but I don't know, just sort of came across as, as like a guy. And obviously looked different. Um, <laughs> she looks very different. She's yeah. a white chicken. And I guess maybe just with the Scottish accent being <laughs> as strong as it is. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's, the whole, that's the whole joke with her. It's like you can't understand what she's saying half the time. And well, that's and that's that's the gag that Rocky and and it's a it's a, such a stereotype that Americans can't understand. You know, like, thick accents. <laughs> <laughs> Is she saying words? I don't know. When <laughs> when she's talking about like thrust, you know, like when he will thrust this, like she's yeah. saying, oh, like no, you can't understand it. You got to put the subtitles on if you actually want to. You know, she's saying something <laughs> about like we need thrust. Yeah, but everything else that she's explaining beforehand, nah, no idea. Yeah, not a it is. Uh, so it's, it's definitely played up for sure. Um, so interestingly, when they're when they're training, you see, um, and then they're trying to learn how to fly. Mac gets launched. So, are you familiar with Scottish Highland Games? Do you know? I'm familiar, you, yes. You, with my yep. with my heritage, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, as part of, part of the Scottish Highland Games is you'll get you know big big tough blokes will try to throw like a what they call a caber. I think I don't think it's pronounced correctly, but C A B E R. But they throw them up in the air, and then however far they are, the the log lands. Yes, yeah. it's, it's part of the game. And so, just as a, a touch to that, is Mac. That's how Mac is tossed into the air is, as a as a straight line, and then she lands. And apparently, looking at the production notes, the way that she lands technically will be a really high score if you know the system, but I don't know anything about it. So I can't really Fair Yeah, I don't it. know the scoring <laughs> of it, but no, so I'm with what you But apparently it's intentionally she lands correctly. Anyway. Um and then obviously and during the, the climax she's the the token Scotty. So like half her lines are all about um what is it? Scott Scott no Montgomery Scott from Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, like referring to like fellows like Captain. I think she says something yeah. like like um you know like when, on. Yeah, like when Mrs. Tweedy grabs onto She's the hanging onto the yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and then she says like those we've got a Klingon 
like attached yeah. or something. And I was like, did I hear that right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's correct. That's what she says. And she also says things like, um, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, oh, just Scotty great, Montgomery. Great little, great little nods. So, And you have to. You, you've got to bet, bet, right? The kids watching that back in the year 2000, probably not many of them are super familiar with Star Trek. You know? Yeah. Like, I was Star watching Trek this back be- in 2000. I, yeah. like, I, again, I felt like I was hearing that joke line for the first time. Like, I... Don't recall that. Like, if you were like, oh, <laughs> you remember the. If you asked me like two days ago, hey, do you remember the Star Trek jokes in Chicken Run? I'd be like, what Star Trek jokes? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, it, well, there you go. All, all new, all new stuff. It's, it's crazy. I have, I have to is, admit, I really like it when animated films do that. You know, they just put in subsidiary jokes to such a small audience that mm. nobody but. Yeah, well, some the things, adults are, get it, but the kids some things are real. I just some of the references in this, they're so subtle, you know, they're not always in your face. And that's what I love as well. It's like because you can revisit things and go, Oh, is that a oh, that's actually a joke? You know, when you first, yeah, you first see Rocky and he's flying in, he's yelling mm. freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Mel Gibson from yeah. Braveheart, Braveheart, yeah. five years earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's doing it in a completely different way. It's not like an aggressive uh, war call, but it's still, it's still well, Mel Gibson it, it, yelling freedom. It's still freedom! More, it's more it's, it's it's more like an American war war call instead. Freedom because for the US. So that's Mac. Um, who else we got as our supporting characters? We've got that's two little rats, Nick and Fetcher, who are played by. Timothy Spall and Phil Daniels, respectively. Yes. So Nick is smart, clever, and Fetch is just an idiot. Really. So <laughs> is that is that the um, way it is? <laughs> I think I think that's the way it is. I think they're but, both um, pretty. Uh, they're both pretty dumb, creative, and yeah. uh, they're good at what they do. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think they're both they're, dumb. <laughs> they're, but they're a bit of comic comic relief. So what they are um, is they they smuggle contraband into the camp. That's what yep. they do, um, and they generally have. A passion about eggs. They always want eggs as, as currency, although uh, they're too stupid to know that roosters don't lay eggs. And they figure that out eventually. Um, ask your mum. They're responsible for lots of lots of puns, and especially like egg-based puns. So, like when they when the chickens are learning to fly, or they're doing that montage, you've got the rats who are watching them, and they're talking about, "Oh, that's a scrambled one. Oh, yeah. that's over easy." That's as they're flipping over and all this other stuff. They say lots of just little funny things. Um, they help the chickens out by, uh, I think they do a bit of reconnaissance. And so they dress up in lawn gnomes. Mm. And once it, and then uh, Mr. Tweedy, who is thinking that the chickens are, there's a big conspiracy with the chickens, then sees the gnomes and he goes, oh my God, it's the gnomes as well. Gnomes like <laughs> so, now. Norms? <laughs> <laughs> During the, uh, the scene where the chickens are learning how to fly, you've got the rats giving them just lots of shit and everything. But the, it actually was meant to be a bunch of sparrows, but the production pulled the pin on that and just in, in put the, uh, the rats in their position instead because of just the cost of, you know, creating, you know, all these new characters just for one tiny segment. So they thought, oh, no, we'll just give it to the rats. And Wayne Knight was uh, considered for the role of Nick. But I think Timothy Spall does a great job. No, I'm glad they, you know, besides Mel Gibson, though, again, they went with pretty much all sort of British-based voice talents. And I think that works as well. And that, that adds to, I guess, the tone of the movie, the the, the feel yeah. of it, the comedy, the, yeah, just, and it's very, it's very Ardman as well. It, it makes it, yeah. it, like you said, makes it feel like it's it's down the road from Wallace and Gromit's place, which is, <laughs> Absolutely. Which is good. And uh, yeah, Mel Gibson is the, the character that just sort of pops in. Yeah. Well, he's, a, he's, he's the fish out of water. That's it. You know? Very much the outsider. So, Let's talk production the animation, all that kind of stuff. So this was this was the first mm. feature-length production by Ardman Animations. Um, yes. Who are Academy Award winners for, as you know, as we've said, Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, and two, out of, two out of three of their shorts got, uh, were, were oh yeah, Academy Award winners, which is great. I mean, have you watched all of, all of those? Yeah. All, yeah. All... They, used to, they used to repeat on um, ABC a lot when yeah. I was a kid. It's, we've already said it already. The um, the movie's heavily influenced by the movie, the nineteen sixty three film, The Great Escape, um, and it originally was pitched by by the team at Arman as a as, as a complete spoof, spoof of that film. I think they moved away from it slightly, but it's just more you can just see the influences and the nods. 
rather yeah, than yeah. And I, I like re- I like that it's just I like that it's just more of an influence and not so much as an actual parody of. Um, yeah, yeah. It allows this movie to be its own thing with its own characters yeah. and with their own motivations and, and things like that. So obviously the setup, the premise is, is there. And obviously there's some visual cues yeah. and stuff like that, set designs and all that were very influential, but overall it thrives as its own. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Now DreamWorks, who was a distributor, they beat actually Disney Fox and Warner brothers because um, they had a drive to increase their presence in that, the animation genre because prior to that, there wasn't really too many DreamWorks animation um, tentpole projects, whereas mm. this was one of the first ones. So, and I'm glad they did. Although now, like we said, with the, the sequel, DreamWorks, they split their partnership with Art Ardman. So um, now we're moving on to the Netflix project instead. So it's a stop motion film, as we've already discussed. Um, so there's 30 different sets that were used um, and up to 80 animators would work on them together now one week of film was produced no sorry one minute of film was produced every week so that's the scope that you're talking about and it was um we don't have it in the notes but it was shot at instead of 24 frames a second it was shot at 22 frames a second but i think that was about cost saving so um, so, (laughs) i mean it's not much anyway so it's always jerky anyway you can't really get that smooth look unless you're using a computer effect anyway do what it does look it does look good like it does look smooth and there's a there's a couple shots that i noticed and they, they snuck in there where it's sort of it's almost like the images sort of had were like blended together like with a fade mm. it's very very quick moments and only if you know your eagle eye vision um, can yeah. you see it but other than if you're looking for it yeah pretty yeah. seamless like it's pretty pretty goddamn good yeah definitely so most of the models were were plasticine um as you'd expect but because plasticine isn't very durable, they also made silicon bodies with latex covering as well. And then their, their, hair, their movable parts would be plasticine. So that way they, they could get more out of the models. But they did have to make multiple models. All the chickens have got collars and ruffles to hide the disparity between the clay and the, the wings. And all yes, that kind of stuff. like you like Just to mask interchange it. like expressions, bits yeah. and pieces and stuff. I was watching yeah. a bit of the behind the scenes thing on the on the DVD just because I wanted to do a, a complete deep dive, and just like mm. you, you, you never, I always forget how big the models actually are, and obviously they have different sizes for like you know, different specific shots and stuff like that, especially when they have the human characters on set with the with the chickens. Um, yeah. But overall, it's like you know, like a. a like Rocky's model is probably like a foot high. Like that's how mm. big he is. And you know, they've got their they've got these whole mechanical skeletal structures to them to make them stand and pose correctly. Yeah. Like it, it's actually it's such a wonderful little craft. Yeah, I'd love to learn more about you know about doing it as a hobbyist. You know, I, I always as a kid I always considered it because it was one of those things that is a little bit achievable that you can do. You yeah, can do that, it at home. That's the thing. Anyone can do it as long as you've got a camera or a, like video editing software and a camera. And yeah, you, you can basically animate anything really. Making you, things fly is, really, is a bit harder, but. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, true. But um, yeah, it's very, very inspiring stuff though. It took a week to create um, three or four chickens. So a long, long process to sculpt them um, and, and get everything right. All the sets that they built, you know, like yeah, not just the, the pens that they're in, but obviously you've got inside You've got inside pens, you've got the whole farm um, sort of fenced area. Then you've got inside the Tweedy's home around their yard. You've got inside the pie machine, outside the pie machine. Like It's crazy, the scale. Yeah. And just, I remember like, yeah, if you, if you think of one of the chickens at a normal mm. normal size on screen, it's like a foot high. It's like yeah. the size of these sets. Incredible. Yeah. Like, especially when they're going through that pie it's machine. Weird. Like, it's a whole labyrinth oh, yeah. of, of bits and pieces and... Yeah, I mean, you're speaking of the sets, like it's just how beautiful is the um, and you know, not realistic, but you definitely get the picture. The chicken farm itself is a concentration camp, you know, like or or a POW like mm. camp. Oh, it's, it's, it's gritty. It's, it's gritty. Just, <laughs> it's gritty, and it's so well designed. And and like you see, as the um, you know, there's mud and stuff everywhere. And as the uh, as the tweeties are walking up to the chickens, like you see the mud squelch underneath them, and you see mud all over their boots. It's just Little bits of detail. One thing I did notice, though, you can see a few um, fingerprint 
like marks on the necks of some of the chickens. <laughs> yeah, where, where where somebody's maybe wasn't wearing a, the glove or something. So um, there's a couple of moments where yeah, you, you see them and it just cuts between the different the different. Um, it would have been literally just shot by shot by shot by shot. But yeah, every now and then you see a fingerprint appear on the neck of like a few of the chickens. You know what? Just... I love, I love it. I love seeing <laughs> it. It's just, and if you go back and you check out some of the, I think even like, especially the very first Wallace and Gromit short, mm. fingerprints everywhere. Like he's yeah. just like, you look at Wallace's head and he's just mm. got huge indents of where like the finger prints uh, like would have been it was it was yeah. it's so much more so much more rough and when they were doing yeah. it so back in the day there's a masterpiece in front of me the um i don't have in front of me the date that the wallace and grumman's like but those shorts were produced but um i think it was quite a few years before this i think so yeah at least maybe one of them possibly in the 80s i could be completely yeah. wrong and i might just be making that up but it just feels that way. That's all. Yeah, and then just think, for, a few years in between each one, it wasn't like he just knocked them out. Yeah, yeah, let him roll them out that quickly. Let's talk score. What do you, what do you reckon? So, are you familiar with John Powell and um, Harry Gregson Williams? Are you familiar with them? Um, I've heard of them, and um, you've actually put a few little credits here as well because I knew yeah. I'd, I'd heard of John Powell before. And How to Train Your Dragon? Is that right? He's he's done that. Yeah, well, so so I I put here in 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 our notes here to a couple of the favourites that like just yeah. the favourites of of the that I feel, but they've obviously had much bigger careers than that. But yeah, John Powell's How to Train Your Dragon, the entire the entire uh, trilogy, right? Um, one of the most underrated scores of all time, I think. Um, and Harry Gregson um, Williams did all Shreks, all the Shreks, and a few of the Narnias as well. So very like sticking with the um, the demographic, you know, like young, you know, children movies, those kind of things. But they're they're all like epic. There's just an epic feeling to these scores yeah. and and the work of these guys. So once um, again, and I have to admit, like they, these guys are favourites of mine, and I didn't actually realise that they'd collaborated together on a project like this. So right, I was okay. really pleasantly surprised yeah. when I heard it. But again, um, it's uh, now on my Spotify list. Uh, no, but yeah, with this with this chicken run score, uh, again, influence from you know like uh, the Great Escape. You know, it, it sounds yeah. it sounds of that period. It sounds you know like a military base type, um, yeah, sort of scheming kind of beats to it. Um, yeah. But there's also there's also very like like kind of like cutesy, very juvenile type sounds within the score as well, which yeah. kind of just plays into like you know the chickens. You know, it's all all quite playful and you know they're very innocent like and dumb and yeah. stuff like that they use kazoos in a yeah. store they use kazoos to like if there's if there's a more child-based um you know instrument out there like the kazoo yeah. is where it's at and yeah just to say again like looking at some of the behind the scenes stuff of them like sort of bringing that together you just see yeah. a, a line a chorus line of people Playing it, playing kazoo, playing kazoo. It's like yeah, this it's is magical. It's, I, it's, 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 it is awesome. But it does, like you said, it's got that military. Every like it moves between like that quirky stuff to more military and regimental mm. stuff. Like you got the, the snare drum rolling and the the whistles like do, 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 kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which well, that's actually that's the greatest game. That's so, it. Yeah, and that's what it's based um, on. No. We've, oh, we've yeah, heard it, that it many good. times. Like anytime someone's trying to escape from something in some sort of uh, send up of, mm. of the Great Escape, you hear they just play that music. <laughs> Whereas this movie, True. they they made their own, and it just sounds like it, but it's not. It's not one hundred percent the same. Um, and you would have yeah. heard it at the start of of this podcast and a little bit at the end as well. Yeah. So. Absolutely, absolutely. But no, fantastic but, score. Like I love it. So catchy and. Just, mm. I mean, ask me in like ask me again in six months' time to like hum it. I probably won't be able to do it, but well, of course. So I have to admit, it isn't a mem- it's not memorable, but um, but it's one it of those have... ones where you hear it, you're like, yeah, chicken run. Like if you were to play it to me in five months, I'll say chicken run. Like I'll know it. Yeah, but you won't be able to won't be able to whistle. Yeah, it so it's in, it's in that realm, but no, it's so good, just so good. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, it's it's uh, it's on the list now for sure. So I'm very happy to watch this movie so I can. Uh, ex- expand my uh, my score playlist. On Always Spotify. good to increase that Spotify list for you. Um, do you have any sort of like you know favorite moments of of this? Being your first time that you've uh, watched this, just um, right. 
if all so, fresh in your mind? What's so I've got, I've got two, to, two that jump to mind as a first-time watcher. So the scene where they're, uh, you just call it the montage of all their different attempts. It's, it kind of just really sets the scene for for really what's going yeah, on. It's like, like know, the first five minutes yeah, of the movie. You've got a clever chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just flicks through. But yeah, so, so that that like immediately caught me. It's the start of the movie, but I was like, oh, that's what this is. I didn't realize that's what this movie was. This is fantastic. But I think the fa- my standout scene, the favorite thing is the, uh, it's the climax when they're about to take off from, well, basically, yeah, as soon as they start building the, the airplane, it just the pace goes straight up. And it's just like bang, 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 oh, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. And the whole thing is amazing. But um, I love all the Scotty stuff, all the uh, Montgomery Scott stuff that Matt <laughs> does. And that's that's probably, there's anything that, that and Babs is basically anytime Babs is talking, I just love it. No, I agree. Any any scene with Babs is just like, it's just wonderful. <laughs> I've got the, the whole, the whole, everything through the, um you know, the, the pie machine rescue and like blowing it up for the first time anyway. Like yeah. great, and then yeah, everything on the crate, like that whole seat, terrifying. You know, like mm. Mrs. Tweedy going into like demonic mode. You know, like yeah. you can really see the contrast when she's got like her poster face, mm. like on her face, and then that's it's all bright and like there's, you know there's tones and colors to it, and then that gets yeah. ripped off, and she's just like there's no color in her face, homicidal. Yeah, yeah like yeah. she's got this like evil, not a grin, it's just like this menace. Yeah. It's but it's but it's inter, it's interchanged with so you got Ginger holding onto the lighting cable and she's trying to cut the cable with those stupid craft scissors. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, no, they're just trying to bite it so with her with her chicken her teeth, which is teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the whole false um, right. death. You think she's like, lost, lost her head. head? Yeah, and yet she still manages to have chicken strength enough to hold a cable with a human being hanging. Yeah, on. Very oh, interesting. With a, with a human being uh, feather <laughs> wing hands. As a first time, as a first time viewer, did you think that she was dead? No, no, no. I didn't think that way. I didn't think that way. We're going to do that. No way. No way. In this G-rated movie. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I mean, I didn't had... think. However, they, they, they did kill Edwin, didn't they? The uh, the unfortunate soul who yes, didn't the, lay any eggs. The chicken at the start of the movie. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you see it sort of silhouette in the distance mm-hmm. there, like the head being chopped off. Like you mentioned yeah. earlier, Babs with knitting the noose, like. There's imagery in this yeah. that is sort of like, ooh, like that's yeah. rated like I, you know, I'd probably. But again, I mm. always say like, what was like ten years old when I watched this? Yeah, I didn't yeah. scar me. If anything, it was just like enjoyable to watch something a kids' film that you know pushed the the envelope a little bit. So like, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be concerned yeah. putting my ten year old kid in front of it if you know, same mm. deal. Maybe like a five year old, I'd probably sit with them. <laughs> but yeah, um, just I, in I, case. I would, I would. I wouldn't have an issue showing this to kids. In fact, I actually, when I was doing the um, the research for it um, and, you know, watched the trailers and stuff, I was, I was asking a co-worker whether or not they that their kids had seen it and they, they were saying, yeah, they, you know, that it's the kind of thing they've got a, I think, a seven-year-old kid. It's like, they've seen the kid, they've seen it. It's even now. It seems like it's the kind of movie that can uh, can go across multiple uh, you know, age groups and generations, you know. Yes. So. Well, I think it, it goes down to that. It does have that timeless quality with the animation mm-hmm. and all that being yeah. uh, what it is. It's that this could have been made in 1995, 2000, 2005, 2020. Like, yeah. we literally mm-hmm. wouldn't know. You know how some movies, there's a certain mm-hmm. quality. You know, like, oh, you can kind of gauge, oh, the animation sort of looks like of this era or, yeah. you know. You know, you can sort of just pick. It's like this, you wouldn't know. If they made this movie today, it would probably look exactly the same. There's no way they could really improve it unless they just went, hey, we're doing it in CG, which is... Yeah, well, that's the thing. The, <laughs> thing, the only way they would improve, the only way they'd improve it, or possibly date it, or um, you know, really put a stamp on it, is if they added elements to it that could only be done on CG, so uh, extra effects that are associated with it. But as yeah. it stands, it's a, it's a physical movie. It's made physically. Even in, I was in thinking, the trade. I was thinking the skies and stuff. I was like, oh, that must be like green screen backdrops oh, and stuff like that, like no, digital images. They're all like, painted, nah, painted, and and actually put behind. I was like, damn, like that's that's yeah. how you get it done. So really yeah, good. good, good. It's good stuff. All right. Well, it could be time to move into our quiz break. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready for this? I think this so. One. I th- I think I'm going to quiz you this time yeah, round. And for yeah. the new listeners, if you're just tuning in for Chicken Run only, um, 
you wouldn't know. <laughs> but we do we do ten questions in sixty seconds. It's how we like to get it done. Rob's got a timer set up for himself. So I do. We do. We're so we're almost ready to go. You're ready with your questions, there, buddy. Let's begin this quiz in three, two, one. What is the name of the chicken who gets the chop? Edwin. Incorrect. Edwin. Edwina? Edwina. Edwina. Correct. What number yeah. hut does Ginger live in? 17. Correct. Bunty claims that she laid how many eggs one morning? Oh, shit. 10. Incorrect. 17. What does Rocky call Ginger? Um, oh, um, doll? More? More? No. Incorrect. What no, does Babs good. knit for Rocky? A uh, beak warmer. Correct. What is Mr. Tweety's favourite pie? Uh, not chicken pie. <laughs> Something else. Or is it chicken? No, it's uh, cherry pie. Incorrect. No. According to Max calculations, what was missing to get the chickens to fly? Rust. Correct. What does Rocky use to block the gravy dispenser? Uh, no, it's not there. I remember. What was Fowler's role in the RAF? Uh, he was a mascot. Correct. What came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> um, a chicken. Incorrect. And that's <laughs> uh, it. <laughs> you can't ask me some existential bloody question like that. I'll give you. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. That's fine. I couldn't come up with the tenth question. You got six out of ten, which is not too bad. Ah, oh, it's acceptable for, for a one first stop. first for, time for, viewing. For first viewing. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Right, go some of the questions. What, what did I miss out on? You got the you got the questions right that I thought you would probably get wrong, and you got the either didn't answer or you got them wrong for the questions I thought were easy ones. So Bunty claims that she laid five eggs on that right. one particular morning. Um, Rocky okay. calls Ginger doll face like ten doll times. Face. Yeah, no, no, no. He says doll, but and then she always says Ginger. And then the one time he calls her ginger is like that little touching moment when they're sitting on the roof, I think. And then she smiles and it's cute. Um, Mr. Tweety's favourite pie is apple. Of course. My favourite. Rocky uses a... He shoves a carrot into the gravy dispenser. Yes. Yes. blows up. And of course, what came first, the chicken or the egg? No, I'll give that one to you. Like I said, couldn't come up with the 10th question. Thought it was fun. (laughs) Super, super fun. I'm very, very happy that you did that. Let's rate Chicken Run um, out of five VHS tapes as we do. Tell me your, tell me your score. Watching this movie for the first time, I was pleasantly surprised. I already, already, already knew it was going to be good because, like I said, I did, did some prep. I knew that the uh, the critics that had praised this thing, and I knew it just had a legacy. The wife loved it. We watched it together. Um, and she was giggling before it even started, and I was like, <laughs> so "Obviously, she knows." Like. It, oh, yeah, she watched it. Yeah, she watched it heaps of times. And uh, I mean, I I was pleasantly surprised. I really liked the movie The Great Escape. And so watching this, I was like, there's just a couple of little moments where I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then also the extra pop culture, like the Star Trek stuff and the military stuff. And this is cool. I really like it. The writing and the um, the dialogue is all great. Babs is incredible. They just, oh, just a different, the diversity of characters is great. I... Actually, can't really fault the movie. So, like, it's actually not just pleasantly surprised. Like, it's incredible. It's a good movie. It's an amazing movie. It's timeless. You can't really tell, like you said, you can't really tell when it was made. So, I actually have to, believe it or not, I have to give this one a five. Like, there's no, I can't see anybody in the world not enjoying this movie in some way. Like, especially, go watch it with your kids kind of thing. Like, I think this is going to be a family favourite movie for many, many years to come many many years so that's very it's a that's, five out of five for me that is very exciting to hear for from a first time viewer of the movie yeah um and now i kind of wish i went first um, <laughs> <laughs> um, in my mind before i sat down to rewatch this again before reviewing it um i, I yeah. thought i had picked my number of where i was sort of sitting with my rating and then watching it watching it again i just again looking for the faults looking for things to justify you know a non-perfect mm. rating and I, I really couldn't. I really couldn't. Um, yeah, this movie just it works. It's, I think it's what eighty-seven minutes of just like pure wonder. The animation, the characters, the the voice talents, um, the dialogue, the writing, the imagery, the the jokes. It's it's all there. The comedy, the energy. It, it's fun. It's it's so beloved by me. So I think yeah. Uh, as well i was going to rate it a four and then after watching it yesterday 
I made my decision and I'm also going to match that uh, five out of five. Oh, I'll see you five and I'll not raise you, but I'll match you. Very good. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah. I, um, it's, it is just one of these movies that I think like I'll be recommending it to people. Like, I think this might, might be better if you're watching it with somebody, preferably a kid, if you can, because it's obviously targeted at a younger generation. But it's a family movie, and I. But you watched it. You watched it with the wife. I watched it with my wife. Yeah. We obviously yeah. had a we had good times amongst. It. So maybe maybe watching it with someone, I guess as well. Like you know, you're bouncing off each other's energy. You're laughing at things, and yeah. it's sort of it's just a feel good like thing. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, like everyone's happy. The chickens are safe. Yeah. Edwina. Um, Edwina's there, poor Edwina. But I mean, I have to admit, don't forget, there was lots of little baby chickens around, so it's probably like Orgy Island. Just again, let's, there, anyway. let's not. <laughs> we'll get I have to admit, I have to admit, my positive review though, Jace, is it's also because of my love for Wallace and Gromit. So I just felt like I was back in Wallace and Gromit land. Yeah, and I'm like, I can't. I love it. I think it's awesome. Hey, there's so if there's I didn't have of, that, there's heaps of Ardman projects out there. There's that that one with the duck. But forget what it's called. It's like Man Man One or something. I don't know. The one about the caveman. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I can't remember. I haven't seen that actually, to be honest. But um, there's just yeah. If I if I didn't have my connection to my nostalgic connection to Wallace and Gromit, maybe my rating would be a little bit less. But um, because you can just tell that it's the same creative minds, it's the same charm. I yeah, I can't can't really fault it. Those creative minds are really good at what they do. And they, they are indeed. They are really indeed. like Nick Park and, and all that, you know, stemming from him and yeah. Yeah, the rest of the Ardman team. Hey, Lord Nick Park. Yeah. Right. yeah. That's, well done, guys. Let's write them a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they're listening. Let's, let's, just, let's just hope that they do it good with uh, the Netflix original coming That's out. That's it. Of so, course. Yeah. Chicken Run 2 coming, what, 2022 or something? 21, they, they said. 21? Oh. Hmm. Yeah, so they've uh, already started production on this, and they only were waiting for the, the twenty years to really yeah, we'll announce see. it. Time will tell. All right, so that was our rewind to uh, two thousand Chicken Run. Absolutely, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind Review. As always, we'll remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, um, or any rewind requests, can be sent to us by uh, email at thatfilmstudiopodcast at gmail or you can reach out to us at either that Film Street or Rewind and Review's Facebook pages. Like and follow these pages whilst you're at it. Yep. Um, subscribe and leave, leave us a review on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. You can find our entire catalogue of episodes on that Film Street's website. Uh, check it out, thatfilmstreetpodcast.com. Coming soon from that Film Street, um, there'll be a review of the movie Scoob. Um, sounds like comics have got a couple of things coming up as well um, so do check out their pages to see what's coming up um, and our next episode uh, here on Rewind Review we'll be celebrating the 25th anniversary of Alicia Silverstone's Clueless yeah so that's a bit different, <laughs> that's <something> different. <laughs> I'm excited for that one that's yeah be fun. it should be fun a good uh, good trip back to the 90s <laughs> thank you for listening this has been another Rewind and Review see you on our next trip Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. <laughs> on, your, on your Spotify, fly, I can't. Bleh, bleh, all gone. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work at all.